Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 31 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. A new thing in today's episode will be my new blooper segment, which I'll be calling Let Me Rephrase. Stick around after the outro to hear some of the clips and mistakes that didn't make it into the regular part of the episode. With all of that out of the way, allow me to introduce today's topic, painful phrases. A topper suggested I do the phrase sticks out like a sore thumb, and then I branched out from there to find some other painful and sore phrases. So without further ado, let's just pull the band-aid off quickly and get to today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin with the topper-suggested phrase, to stick out like a sore thumb. This saying means that something is obvious and typically is noticeably out of place. The idea behind this phrase is that an injured thumb is often bandaged in a way that causes it to stick out at an awkward angle, and it's therefore quite noticeable. Even if it isn't bandaged up, a swollen thumb might stick out more than it normally does. And if you've ever had an injured thumb, then you know that it seems as if you're suddenly hitting your thumb on everything. And this means you pay more attention to your sore thumb than you do to your thumb on a normal day. Any or all of these attributes of a sore thumb could have led to this idiom being born. And as for when that was, some people think it has been in use since at least the mid-16th century, though some people think it's even older. I couldn't find any sources to confirm either way if the idiom is really that old, but the Oxford English Dictionary states that the saying originated in 1936. However, I found a print version that appears in 1855, so I think the OED missed this one. The use I found is from The History of the Hen Fever, a humorous record written by George P. Burnham, a prolific author from the time. He said, quote, but if ever there was an individual whose purebred disinterestedness, whose incomparable generosity, whose astonishing sacrifice of self stuck out like a sore thumb, these attributes have now been invinced beyond the shadow of a shade of question. On this exhilarating occasion, the astounding liberality of a gentleman, the initials of whose name are Phineas T. Barman. End quote. This idiom is a bit all over the map of time, since the OED says it started in 1936. Yet, it was obviously in use by at least 1855, and for reasons I couldn't find, it's said by some people to be over 500 years old. I'm sorry I can't narrow this one down a little more, toppers, but I can only work with the information that's out there. Records from old-timey times aren't always perfect, and so that's going to have to do it for this idiom. Now let's move on to the next phrase for today, a sight for sore eyes. People say that something or someone is a sight for sore eyes when they're glad to see that thing or person. It basically means that something is a welcome sight. The word sore in this expression is used to mean not a physical pain, but an emotional or mental one. If we look back at old-timey times, at least back to biblical times, the word sore was used to mean something more along the lines of fearful, tense, or something to cause worry. Using the word this way, the idiom would mean something along the lines of a sight for scared eyes or a sight for worried eyes, meaning that the person speaking was seeing something that relieved their fear or worry. As far as showing up in print the way we use it today, we need to look at Jonathan Swift, the Anglo-Irish satirist 
essayist, cleric, political pamphleteer, and poet. His 1738 work, titled A Complete Collection of Genteel and Ingenious Conversation, included, quote, The sight of you is good for sore eyes, end quote. Since this was a collection of sayings, this idiom had to be in use at least verbally before this book was published. And with that, let's see why you can't have any gain without any pain. The saying, no pain, no gain, means that something worth doing can take a lot of effort, sometimes to the point of physical, mental, or emotional pain. While this is a popular phrase in the world of working out, it didn't get its start there. In fact, this idiom was around for at least 1,800 years before Jane Fonda used it in her exercise videos in the early 1980s, which is what launched it into the popular phrase we still use to this day. It first shows up in writing in the early 2nd century in a Hebrew book called Perkei Avat. This translates to Chapters of the Fathers and was a compilation of the ethical teachings and rules of conduct passed down from rabbi to rabbi, going all the way back to the time of Moses. In this rabbi instruction manual, a rabbi named Ben Hihi, I really hope I said that correctly, but knowing myself, I probably didn't. Anyway, he wrote, quote, According to the pain is the gain, end quote. Fourteen hundred years later, in 1650, Robert Herrick, an English lyric poet and cleric, also used the phrase when he added the following to his poem Hesperides, quote, If little labor, little are our gains. Man's fate is according to his pains, end quote. And just because we've talked about this work before, Benjamin Franklin also used this idiom in his Poor Richard's Almanac in the early 1700s. He said, quote, Industry need not wish, as Poor Richard says, and he that lives upon hope will die fasting. There are no gains without pains. End quote. So, from the early 2nd century all the way to people sweating in leotards, this saying has been used to encourage people spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And I don't think it will suffer the pain of being dropped from the vernacular anytime soon. So now let's look into the somewhat superstitious belief that achy joints can predict the weather. People have long maintained that parts of their body can give them insight to upcoming changes in the weather. Due to all kinds of things like arthritis or chronic pain diseases, even old injuries, and more. Is this hogwash, or are your achy joints really doing a better job than the weatherman? Well, according to science, there is at least some truth to these internal weather channels. Any sort of change in things like temperature, humidity, and barometric pressure have been proven to cause at least slight discomfort in some people who suffer from various body ailments. While the folks in lab coats haven't been able to completely figure out why this is, most lean towards the idea that changes happening outside your body are being reflected inside your body as well. For example, when a storm is rolling in and the barometric pressure is changing because of it, the pressure in your joints also increases, which in turn puts more pressure on the surrounding soft tissue and nerves. This increase in pressure can lead to an increase in pain. This phenomenon is so widely accepted, even if it's not completely understood, that there are multiple websites out there to help you figure out when the weather is going to have you feeling even more out of sorts than normal. As for when this idea came into existence, we know that at least in some form it has been around since about 400 BC. 
Hippocrates, the Greek physician who is credited with writing the Hippocratic Oath that medical professionals still take today, is believed to be the first medical person to notice that many illnesses were connected to the changes in seasons. The more specific belief that changes in pain were related to the weather wasn't officially noted until much later, in the 1887 American Journal of the Medical Sciences. In it, we find the following quote, Approaching storms, dropping barometric pressure, and rain were associated with increased pain complaints. End quote. A bit later, in 1929, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, we find, quote, Warm weather is beneficial and barometric pressure changes are detrimental to patients with arthritis. End quote. Of course, as there often is in the practice of medicine, there are differing views, and some medical professionals maintain to this day that the weather has little to no effect at all. So, for this one, Toppers, I guess you'll just have to choose whether or not you want to believe it. To be honest, I used to think hearing people saying stuff like, my knee's acting up, rain must be coming, was just baloney. But now that I have a chronic pain disease, I believe in this 100%, because I experience weather-related flare-ups often. And with that, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's the metaphor. The metaphor for today is growing pains. The meaning of this metaphor is that change or growth as a person or a business can be hard and painful, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. The metaphorical meaning didn't have to be tweaked too much from the literal one, which is the physical pain associated with growing. Technically, any aches and pains children and teenagers have for no specific reason can be called growing pains, although the feeling is typically due to a growth spurt. It's easy to see how this one became a metaphor, because when people are trying to make changes in their life, or maybe a business is just starting out, there's likely to be challenges that make it difficult, at least at first. They will potentially deal with a metaphorical growing pain similar to the real growing pains felt by young folks as their bodies mature. Now let's head to the book for today's familiar quotation. Okay, Toppers, I've landed on a quote from Joseph Malins. has a footnote saying he was the editor of The Reciter, an English publication. So this is from his work, A Fence or an Ambulance. And it says, Better put a strong fence round the top of the cliff than an ambulance down in the valley. Seems like a pretty legit plan. Thank you, Joe, for today's familiar quotation. Okay, Toppers, that's all I've got for episode 31. Thank you for joining me again to turn some phrases. As always, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. You can check out my show notes to find out all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. You can send me topic suggestions. If you do, just let me know if you want a shout out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing to the show or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers. 
So we're long. And now, this is. Let me rephrase. To stick out at an awkward age. Well, that's not polite. The history of the hen fever, a humorous. Through the astounding liberality. Liberality? Liberality, yeah. In her exercise videos in the early 1980s. Kelly. <laughs> Please don't play with your squeaky toy right now. I'm trying to record. Hippocrates, why did I just forget how to say his name? Hippocrates, good grief, Brisky.